Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Good morning and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes, and for the next few minutes, please stay with me. I'm going to be here about 30 minutes and we'll give you some inspiration, some motivation, a lot of education, but never, never any manipulation. We don't play games. We don't try to hustle you. We're not trying to con you. We're not asking you for anything. Nothing to join, nothing to give. Just simply listen. Listen as I teach you the Word of God. This is a monologue, not a dialogue, but it's about accurate information, not human speculation. And that accurate information comes from the Scripture, from the Bible, from the Word of God. And if I can do it good, if I can present it correctly, it'll help you verify and identify God's plan for your life. And if you're able to do that, then you have the freedom, you have the privacy to orient and adjust to the plan. That's your life. It's always about you, not about anyone else. You are responsible for your decisions. You're responsible for your life. God created you with a volition that's a chooser or a decider. And you can decide to grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Or you can decide to ignore it all and just go along the my way highway, which a lot of people do, by the way. It's always amazing to me as I travel around to the different venues, as I speak in different schools and in different churches and even on these radio shows, the different attitudes that I run into when it comes to learning the Bible, learning the Word of God. It appears to me that a good many people are quite satisfied with the ritual that doesn't have any reality to it. A ritual or a routine without reality is meaningless. There must be spiritual growth. There must be spiritual advancement. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you must grow on a daily basis. That's because the Bible mandates that. It doesn't ask you to grow. It tells you to grow. For example, grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So to grow is normal. But it takes an appetite to grow. If a person didn't eat, he would never grow. And that appetite is a hunger for the Word of God. Do you have a hunger for the Word of God? That's the question I'm asking you today. Because you can never develop the flat line in your soul unless you have a hunger for the Word of God. The flat line is made up of those 10 unique problem-solving devices. The 10 unique problem-solving devices found in the Word of God in the everlasting scriptures is not something man made up. These are pertinent doctrines that have always been there, such as rebound or you confessing your sin to God in order to regain fellowship with God once you've broken it, or the filling of the Holy Spirit, which we're mandated to do. Walk in the Spirit. You won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Be filled with the Spirit. Those are two verses. Those are mandates. Or the faith rest drill, another problem-solving device. As Moses told the Jews, stand still. Watch what God's about to do in Exodus 14. So faith rest drill, reclaiming the 
the uh, when we break fellowship, getting back in fellowship by means of rebound. These are all normal Christian procedures and grace orientation, understanding how we became believers by grace and how we treat others in grace and how God graces us out in time. Doctrinal orientation, learning the Bible so that we don't think in terms of human viewpoint, but we think in terms of divine viewpoint. This is all part of the flight line of your soul. And these are nothing new. These are not some man-made ideas that we're trying to sell you or hustle to you. These are age-old scriptural concepts, such as personal love for God and impersonal love for others and having a personal sense of destiny and having a happiness that comes from the Lord where Christ said, my joy, I give you. These are age-old biblical doctrines. They're pertinent to your life. Occupation with Christ is pertinent to your life. Where Paul said, it's no longer I, but Christ in me. See, I'm not trying to sell you something. I'm giving you the scripture. If you learn these things, if you learn these things, you're not going to get them automatically. You're not going to go stand under an oak tree and they're going to fall out of the sky. You have to learn them. And if you learn them, you have to have a desire to learn them. I did not have a desire to learn certain things in school, so I didn't study and I did not try. But if you have a desire to learn the Word of God, then you have an asset the world doesn't have. You have an asset called God the Holy Spirit. And if you have a genuine desire to want to know the Scripture, then God the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth because this is what the Lord Jesus Christ said. He would guide you, he would be a mentor, and he would lead you into truth. But he cannot give you a hunger. He waits on you to demonstrate that hunger. And if you are not hungry for the Word of God, if you are satisfied with ritual, without reality, with routine that is meaningless, And you're never going to go anywhere in the Christian life. You're never going to make a splash. You're never going to be a risk taker. You're never going to have an impact historically or nationally or personally. Because you're going to be just like so many other believers that are happy to play the game of religion. To play the game of church. And it's meaningless. You see, Christianity is not religion. It's a relationship And that relationship is you growing in Christ. It's Christ living in you. When Christ, when our Lord Jesus Christ walked with those disciples, those three years, he taught them. He fed them. They grew. They had no idea they were going to be the writers of the New Testament. And you may have no idea what you're going to do in your life. But if you grow and if you walk with the Lord and if you learn from him, then you are prepared to meet anything that comes your way. And that's what the Lord is trying to show you. So today, I I, want to ask you something. Listen to John chapter 6, verse 51. And these are the words of our Savior. He said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. This is a metaphor. 
This is our Lord using a metaphor, and what he's saying is that he is the means of salvation, and he is the means of eternal life. Now, the Jews had a problem with this, according to the Scriptures. In John 6, 41, the Jews murmured at him because he had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They didn't like that. They didn't appreciate that because he identified himself with manna, the manna that God provided in the wilderness. And he said, I'm the manna from heaven. But again, in John 6, 47, Jesus said, he that believes on me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Now, the question that I have to ask you today, listen carefully. What have you been swallowing? Have you swallowed the bread of life? Have you believed in Jesus Christ? Have you received him as your Savior? Or did you swallow the lie? Listen to what Jeremiah said. He used an eating metaphor in his scripture, and it had a literal meaning. He said in Jeremiah 15, 16, your words were found, and I devoured them. I ate them. So the question again is, what type of information are you feeding on? You know, Satan, the enemy, is very, very good at offering substitute stuff. I don't like substitute stuff. I don't know about you, but every now and then someone will give me something called a margin spread. And I'm in some restaurant and they give me the spread and I'm like, where's the butter? Well, this is butter. No, it's not. It's chemicals. It's a substitute. It's not butter. It may smell like butter and look by butter, but it's a, it's chemicals. Give me butter. You see what I mean? And this is what Satan is good at doing, offering you the substitute stuff. Oh, it may smell like the real stuff. It may even look like the real stuff, but it is not the real stuff. So what have you been swallowing? You see, when Satan is the mentor of any person, then ultimately they don't have truth because they follow the function of the mentor. And you have a mentor that lives in you. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. He is your, in the Greek New Testament, he's called paraclete. Not parakeet, but paraclete. And it's a mentor. It's a guide. It's a tutor. And he's to lead you into truth. Satan will never lead you into truth. He will never tell you the truth. And he, will, he would love for you to substitute ritual and routine for the truth. Because if you have truth in your soul, as a believer in Jesus Christ, it is one of the greatest factors in insulating you from the power of the lie that Satan will throw your way. So the only way you're going to get truth in your soul is, number one, to have a hunger to learn it, and number two, to listen to it being taught, and number three, to swallow it. Use your volition to believe it and apply it into your life. Swallowing truth is you having momentum. It's you hearing God's word and keeping God's word on a consistent basis. Now, since Satan is great at giving you the lie, then he works through human beings that are liars. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 
verses 9 and 10, the Bible says this. That is, comma, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power, all signs, all false wonders, and with every deception of unrighteousness, for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth with the results that they might be delivered. You see, the Antichrist, or the false Christ the Bible talks about in the future, is going to look like the real thing. He's going to have all the power and the signs and the wonders that the 70 had when Jesus sent them out in Luke 9. And yet he's not of Christ. He's of the devil. And you know why people will buy into it? Because they would not swallow the truth. Believers, by the way, can be deceived as easily as unbelievers when it comes to satanic strategy. And unless you have the power of truth in your soul, unless you have learned some divine viewpoint and you are filled with the Spirit, you can be easily deceived by Satan. Two illustrations prove this. Two illustrations of the satanic lie. First one is called socialism, the direction that our country seems to be moving in today. The basis for socialism in modern history goes all the way back to Sir Thomas More in a book that he wrote many years ago called Utopia. And in that book, there was a political and social perfection. And this is the devil's lie. There's no such thing as a utopia. But utopia became a synonym for a system of political or social perfection and perfect environment. And the theory of a utopian socialism, that's a lie. An economic tinkering with the laws of divine establishment is what it requires. Thereby, you have a false premise and the premise is that if capitalism voluntarily surrendered its ownership to the means of production to the state or to the workers of the state, then unemployment and poverty would be abolished. That's a lie. And you know why that's a lie? Because people have old sin natures. And in spite of any system of utopianism, socialism, Whatever Satan tries to bring up and present, he cannot stop the sin nature of man from being inherently evil. Man's sin nature is against God. The Bible says, For by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and now death has come upon all, for all have sinned. So nobody set you down and taught you how to lie. Nobody set you down and taught you how to be prejudiced. Nobody set you down and taught you how to be jealous. It's inherent within you. And so whatever system of government you operate under, there is injustice because it's part of life. And so there's political injustice, racial injustice, if you try to straighten these things out, you're just going to swap powers. That's all. The injustice will still be there. It'll just be on the other side of the fence. And sometimes it's called revenge motivation. So the lie is that people don't understand that capital and investments create jobs, not the government. 
It's someone that has the gall or the guts to invest money and to hire people and lose money. But they invest and they try. And that's what drives our economy, investment. Many, many years ago, I had a stepfather who invested in a boat business, took his retirement, mortgaged his home, and invested in a boat business, and hired mechanics, and hired riggers, and hired salesmen. The business did not go. He lost everything. He wound up in bankrupt. But he had the guts to risk everything to try to make a business. That's what the American dream is about. It's not the government can take care of you. It's not the government can give you what you need and you don't need to work. So that's the lie people don't understand. The theory establishes that uh, people become slaves to the state rather than the freedom of self-determination with the United States government protecting that freedom. There's another lie called Christian activism. And this is where the devil sponsors Christian activism uh, on one hand, and I guess the arrogant skills, you know, self-justification, self-deception, self-absorption. They sponsor Christian activism on the other hand. But the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 11.3, Christian activism is a Christian trying to clean up the devil's world. That's what it is. And in 2 Corinthians 11.3, I'm afraid, Paul wrote, least as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, that your mind should be led astray from the purity and the virtue which belong to Christ. In other words, Bible doctrine, or the Word of God, brings purity and virtue to the unbeliever and the believer. And that's why our Lord did not become involved with activism. He didn't take the cry of the Jews which said, deliver us from the Romans. We want a Messiah that will destroy the Romans and free us. That's not what he came to do. He came to destroy the bondage of sin and free us from the penalty of sin. We take our precedence for the church age from the dispensation of the hypostatic union, which is the time that Christ was here. And so Satan's total objective is to distract you and me from our skills, the spiritual skills we need, and to make us look for some political solution to a problem. Truth is what we need, because Satan will flee from truth. Listen to James 4, 7. Submit, therefore, to God and resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. He's not going to fight the truth. He doesn't have anything to fight the truth with. But he is the enemy of all unbelievers, and he's the greatest deceiver of all time. 2 Corinthians 4 tells us that he blinds the minds of the unbeliever. And he does this by demon influence or sometimes demonization of the soul. But when an unbeliever rejects Jesus Christ as Savior, just like these Jews rejected Christ when he walked into their cities, then he opens himself to the opportunity of demon influence. So Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, If our gospel is hidden, it is hidden to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded, blinded the minds 
of those who believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, would shine in unto them. And you know when light shines in, you can see in the darkness. Satan has his own ministers that accomplish this. Did you know that? In 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen and 15, the Bible says it's not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their deeds. He has his own doctrine that he wants you to learn. 2 Timothy 4, 1. Some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and the doctrines of demons. Now, that's not weird stuff. That's religious, self-righteous Puritanism. That's some self-righteous Christian thinking that he's impressing God because he doesn't smoke and he doesn't drink and he doesn't say bad words. So God must really like him. One thing each believer has to learn, each believer has to recognize, is when he's in fellowship with God and when he's out of fellowship with God because it's critical. If you don't have this understanding, if you don't know when you're out of fellowship with God, then you can appear to be doing all the right things, but you'll be doing them in all the wrong way. Recently, I talked with a young man who felt the call to the ministry but did not understand the call that he felt. It's very easy for people to play with your emotions, to try to get you to make an emotional decision. You only have so many days. That's why the Bible tells us we're to redeem the time. And you don't have time to backtrack. You don't have time to go into a cul-de-sac and have to turn around and go back a half a mile because you made a wrong decision. And when you fall under a false teacher, that's what happens. It's easy. I mean, these sort of people have phony, hypocritical facades. They're do-gooders. They love everybody. They are all things to all men. That's the kind of pastor people want, actually. They want a sweet, smiling pastor. God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. The Lord is good to us today, brothers and sisters, but he doesn't teach the mechanics. He doesn't teach you how to even know if you're in fellowship. So you show up and you sing in the choir and you go to Sunday school and you give your money and you don't even know if you're doing the right thing in the right way because he hasn't taught you that. You see, if there's unconfessed sin in your life, then you have quenched and grieved the Holy Spirit. And regardless of all the good things you do for God, it's nothing but wood, hay, and stubble. The Bible says in Matthew 7:15, Beware of the false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. A friend of mine once called this the canine clergy. They'll rip you to pieces. They'll eat you alive if you don't fall in line, if you don't agree with them. They will use this canine clergy they will use human public relations and some sort of flirtation to court you, to get you to come over to their side. Listen to 2 Timothy 3. They have a form of godliness, but they denied the power thereof, and from such turn away. Listen, they look like godly people. They wear godly robes. They wear crosses. They say godly chants and godly prayers. 
they're not teaching you the Word of God. The Word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. Not the words of some priest or some pastor that wants to feed you a line of ritual without any reality to it. The Bible says, For this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sin, led away with many different lusts, ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of truth. The reason is they appeal to human ego. They appear to appeal to pride, and they distract you away from grace. Grace. Paul put it this way, we dare not make ourselves of that number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measure themselves by means of themselves, and they compare themselves among themselves, and they are not wise. That's right. It's called a mutual admiration society. Get together, promote each other, counsel each other, and feed each other's arrogance. This is not the Word of God. This leads to legalism, where Paul said they desire to be teachers of the law, but they don't understand what they say, nor do they affirm what they say. And these sort of people possess a false spirit. In 1 John 4, many false teachers have gone out into the world And I'm telling you now, in my own words, they are inspirational, but they do not function by means of the power of the Holy Spirit. They may be great teachers. They may be very persuasive. They may look holy and sound holy and do all the holy things. You will wind up swallowing the lie, and you will wind up operating under the energy of the flesh, and you will produce only wood hay and straw in the final judgment. You must learn the truth. And there's only one way to do it. That's to sit under the ministry of a qualified pastor, a man who knows the scriptures, hopefully knows the original languages, the Hebrew and the Greek. Hopefully he can understand the privacy of the priesthood where he doesn't bully you, but he stands in that pulpit And he gives you a well-prepared meal. And he can't make you eat it. He can't make you swallow it. But he can prepare the best meal you've ever tasted. And if you will come to that table with your Bible and your notebook and feed on the Word of God, you will be doing a right thing in a right way and you will grow to spiritual maturity, and you will glorify Jesus Christ to the ultimate. You will replicate his life. People will see Christ in you. Not religious self-righteousness, but grace, forgiveness, and purity in you. That's what God wants. Do you have enough volition to look for that sort of man? He's out there. He's available. The others are a dime a dozen. Ritual without reality, routine that means nothing. Look at your own spiritual life, and you tell me, have you grown? Are you growing? Do you even want to grow? I hope you're listening. I'm always available if you'd like to write to me. I hope you will. Until next week, this is your host, Rick Hughes, saying thank you for listening to The Flotline. 
Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054, or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.